Great job reading that passage, longer passage for us today as we are on this second Sunday of Advent. Now the, the text says that Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous before God, that they were blameless, that they kept the commandments, yet they had no children. It's one of those verses that we might read and just quickly read and, and, and just keep reading. Passover, but I, I think we should linger there for just a moment. Because in this verse is pain. In this verse is, is disappointment. In these verses are dreams that have been dashed. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and both were getting on in years. Some of you, when you read that passage, you might even get a lump in your throat because you've been there before. You understand that pain. You know what it means to be disappointed. When it what it means to have your dreams unrealized. And what makes it even worse, in my opinion, is that it happens to this couple. They were righteous. They were blameless. They were good people. They were the type of people you wanted as your neighbors. They were the type of people you wanted as your friend. They were the type of people you wanted on your side, on your board or agency that you were in charge of. This was the type of people that you wanted. These were the type of people that deserved a child. Yet year after year, barrenness and brokenheartedness. Now, if you are a student of the Bible and, and you read this, you know this isn't the first time that this has happened in the Bible. In fact, way back in the beginning of our, our Bible in Genesis, God comes to another couple that doesn't have children. You remember Abraham and Sarah? And he promises them that they are going to be parents in their old age and that they will be, Abraham will be the father of a great nation. But if you can imagine Abraham and Sarah for decades, for decades live in disappointment, seeing their hopes fade as the years go on. But God does eventually provide. So as we peek into the story of, of Zechariah and Elizabeth, we do see this spark of hope. But I, want, I don't want us to, to rush past the drama of the daily living of life. The daily living in the disappointment that their dreams have not been fulfilled. That their expectations until now have not been met. This is where it's so important as we read the Bible that we place ourselves in the story that we don't rush through it. The Bible doesn't say a lot about it, but in that one line, they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and both were getting on in years. How many decades had they been praying for a child? But what do we do when our, when our lives don't turn out the way we want them to? When our lives don't turn out the way we expect them to? Elizabeth, she says, you know, that she has even been a disgrace. Later on 
in, in the chapter, says her life has been a disgrace because for this culture, we can't overestimate the importance of a husband and wife having a child. In this culture, having a child meant for many people that you were blessed by God, that God looked on you with favor. Uh, but sometimes people looked on you as if you'd done something wrong if you didn't have a child. But what do you do when you've been righteous, when you've been faithful, yet remain barren? It really doesn't seem fair. It, it, it doesn't seem fair at all. And for some of us, we, we've lived in those seasons before where life just doesn't seem to either make sense or to be fair. And you, and you think to yourself, I've done everything that I'm supposed to be doing. Why isn't it turning out the way I expect it to? In fact, we've all been living in an unexpected season for way longer than I ever expected. And it's going to go on even longer. It doesn't seem fair. Our plans throughout this season have been put on hold, have been changed, have been changed multiple times. And and even Thanksgiving looked different this year for us than what it would typically look like. And our plans for Christmas have been changed. And and these plans that we want, and for several months now, we wonder why. Why me? Why now? Why us? As we live in this unexpected season. And it truly is hard to answer why. Why do these things happen? Why do bad things happen to supposedly good people like Zechariah and Elizabeth? But as we walk through this text, I want us to look at a core refrain that runs throughout the gospel. You know what a refrain is? In a song, the refrain is the chorus, the part that repeats over and over, right? Uh, That's what a refrain is. And it's like the hymn, I I love this hymn, uh, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. You know that hymn? Great Christmas hymn. Will you put the lyrics up on the screen? Let's sing it together. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captivity. Israel, that mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. (laughs) It was awesome. I hope you see it. If you'll go back to the verse for just a second. The verse is the daily living of life. It's the disappointments. It's the sometimes despair. It's the sometimes where life doesn't turn out the way we want it to. It's the yearning for. That's the daily grind. That's the first verse. Come and ransom us because we're mourning. We're in exile. But the refrain, what does the refrain say? Go to the refrain. Rejoice. Rejoice, exactly. 
See, it's, it's this recognition that, that life might not be the way we want it to be. The, the, the part that acknowledges we're in captivity, but also this in the refrain, this acknowledgement that there is a God who is coming, who is with us, a God that will indeed dwell with us, it, it, an acknowledgement that the dawn is coming. It won't always be this way. There will be hope. There will be peace. That's the refrain. And this refrain runs throughout the Gospels, and especially in Luke. In spite of what has happened to you and what is happening to you, God is with us. God will be with us. With God, we can expect the unexpected because God will make a way when we least expect it. God will bring about peace in the midst of our chaotic world. This is the refrain that we especially see in the story of of Zechariah and Elizabeth. So let's just take a moment and and reread the story this morning. It starts this way. In the days of King Herod of Judea. Let's just stop there for a second. It begins with an anchoring of the story in a specific time and a specific place. Now Herod, he's done much to build up the nation, but but he was also a brutal tyrant. He was very shrewd and he was basically in bed with anyone who would keep him in power. He had no hesitation to kill you if you were gonna get in his way. It's a time of of struggle for the Jewish people as their king, Herod, is is just really a puppet of Rome. Uh, And it's hard to remain faithful in this incredibly politically charged world that they're living in. We've never lived through that before, a politically charged world. No, right? It'd be, you know, starting this way, it'd be like me starting a story saying in the final months of 2020, during the height of COVID, you, you can place yourself. You know what, exactly what's going on, where it is. This, is. this is what's happening. And you know the struggle it is for normal daily life. But it goes on. It says, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly order of Abijah. His wife was a descendant of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth. Both of them were righteous before God, living blamelessly according to all the commandments and regulations of the Lord. But, but they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and both were getting on in years. Again, let's just linger here for a second. They have prayed their entire married life for a child. And it's been silence. God has not provided. Their prayers have not been answered. It is the reality that sometimes righteous people are not blessed with answers to their prayers. I want you to hear that. Sometimes God does not answer the prayers that we have the way we want him to. Sometimes we just have to live with disappointments. But how will we respond to those disappointments? This, I think, is the key lesson for us today. Our response to life makes all the difference in the world. I want you to hear that. Our response to life makes all the difference in the world. There's a couple of ways that we can respond to life and the disappointments. Some people, when confronted with life, 
and not getting what they want become jaded uh, and cynical. They become the type of people that we really don't like to hang out with because they're always negative. They're always seeing the worst of things. They're the, the downers of the party, right? And they become disappointed. And I've seen Christians even respond this way and fall into this trap. They forget the hope that they have. They forget the peace that has been promised for our future. So the question is, have you responded in this way to life? It's an uncomfortable question because it forces us to examine our own lives. In the daily grind of life, how are we responding? How are you responding to the disappointments with God? But Zechariah and Elizabeth don't respond that way. And this is what I love about this story. They continued to be faithful. They continued to be those people you wanted as your friends. They continued to be those people that you wanted as your neighbors. They continued to be faithful in light of disappointments in life. They don't allow their disappointments in life to to change their faithfulness to God. When the disappointments in life come, they move to the refrain, rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel will come. God will bring his promises to pass. Someday there will be peace. They were a people of hope. And I think we can all relate to Zechariah and Elizabeth in some way or another. They are, in a sense, kind of a bridge to our past, this great story of our past, but it's also a bridge to our present because we all understand what it means to live with disappointment, with our dreams being dashed, with struggles. But how are we going to respond? Some disappointments we have are even deep wounds that we carry around for a long time. And and I wish I had a complete answer for for why. Why this happens, but I don't. When when dealing with a death of a loved one, especially the death of a child, or dealing with an uncertain financial situation or financial future, and those those who might take the wrong path in life and, and find that they're in a place where they don't want to be or, or experience a traumatic accident or a terrible marriage. And, and I can't tell you why these things happen. And God never guarantees that life is going to be easy and that there won't be pain or disappointment. But, but we should look to Zechariah and Elizabeth to see how we walk through those times. They trusted the promises of God. They lived out their faith in the midst of disappointments in life. They knew that God would bring his promises to pass. What God promises, he will do. I I hope you have that faith. They assumed, though, that they would never have a child, but they still held firm in faith. But they were about to receive an unexpected answer. So let's read on. Verse 8. Once when Zechariah was serving as a priest before God and his section was on duty... He was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and offer incense. So this would be something he might be chosen to do, maybe just even once in his lifetime. Uh, But it was a great honor. And and at the time of the incense uh, offering, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. Then they 
Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified, and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayers have been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. Just an interesting observation into the life of Zechariah in this moment. What is Zechariah doing when God speaks? He's, he's attending the altar. He's attending the sacrifice. He is worshiping. He is doing what he is supposed to be doing. He's worshiping God. And, and it, it reminds us how important it is for us that in, in the midst of life, we should attend upon God. We should be, because I think that's when God typically speaks, is when we're, we're being faithful, when we're walking, when we're reading the Bible, when we're uh, praying, all of those things. He's doing those things he would call to do all the time. And we are too. And that's often when we receive an unexpected answer. And the daily faithful, faithful living to God in our prayers, again, in our reading of the word, in worship, so often that's when God decides to speak and show up. But as we continue, it says, the angel tells Zechariah, you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He'll turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. With the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah said to the angel, how will I know that this is so? For I am an old man and my wife is getting on in years. The angel replied, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. But now because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, you will become mute, unable to speak, until the day these things occur. Now the angel, as he's proclaiming to Zechariah, he's proclaiming the purpose of this son, John, that he will come before the Messiah. He is the messenger of the Lord. John has an incredibly important role in, in the story of the gospel, in God's plan of salvation. And this is what I love about God and how he works in and through us. He always gives us clues and indications of what he's going to do. He always comes before preparing us. But so often we're not paying attention, right? And because we're not paying attention, we don't see it or we miss it. And that's why, again, it's so important that we're attending upon God, that we're listening, that we're seeing. He spoke through the prophets that there would be a messenger to come and prepare the way for the Lord. But... God didn't just send a savior. He sent a messenger first to point to the savior. It's the same with us. He gives us insight in how we are to live. He speaks through his spirit. He doesn't just expect us to know what to do. He works through us. He gives us guidance in how to live so that when we're faced with a situation, we can more clearly see the way to go. And the second part of this is that we also are called to be messengers of the Messiah. And the other thing I love about this moment between Zechariah and the angel is that Zechariah has doubts. Although I wonder what Zechariah was thinking when he's standing there and there's an angel and he knows it's an angel. And he says, um, I'm not sure I believe you. Right? How stupid is that? How stupid is that? 
it gives me hope, right? It should give you hope. No matter how righteous you are, we're sometimes stupid. We sometimes answer wrongly. Of all the things Zechariah could have said, he said the wrong thing. His faith wavered in the moment. But that's okay, because God can still restore us when we have doubts as well. Now, there's always consequences to our doubts. And so uh, the angel gave him some time to think about his consequences so he wouldn't have to speak and would have to listen. We do need to be careful in how we respond to God's promises. Once God speaks to us, hear this, we should respond in faith. We need to have the faith that says, what God promises, he will perform. Do you hear that? What God promises, he will perform. That's what faith is, is, is trusting the promises that he's given us and knowing he will perform. But let's finish up the reading. We're going to go on from verse 20 to 21 through 25. It says this, Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondered at his delay in the sanctuary. When he did come out, he could not speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He kept motioning to them and, and remained unable to speak. When his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she remained in seclusion. She said, this is what the Lord has done for me when he looked favorably on me and took away the disgrace I have endured among my people. God answers their prayers, but in unexpected ways. Again, it's a a dramatic reminder that what God promises, he will perform. And so for us today, I, I pray as we, we look back at the story of something that happened in the past, it reminds us of our present reality, that we too have to walk in faith. We too ought to be a people of hope, no matter what is going on around us, that we too should walk in peace in the midst of the chaos of the world. It's important. So on this second Sunday of Advent, this Sunday of peace, I do pray that God gives you peace. And I pray also that as you go from here today, you will go with the refrain, rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. May that peace rule in your life today. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for the peace that you give. In the midst of the disappointments of life, your promises will still come true. So we live in that hope this day and every day as we give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.